me. Um, 1 Corinthians can be found on your pew Bibles in page 811. But I'll also be reading from the NIV version, 1 Corinthians 9, 1 through 18. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not the result of my work in the Lord? Even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do other apostles and the Lord's brother and Cephas? Cephas. Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat grapes? Who tends a flock and does not drink the milk? Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? For it is written in the law of Moses, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain. It is about oxen that God is concerned. Surely he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us, because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest for you? If others have this right to support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. For I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast, for when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge, so not to make, so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. May God bless the reading of his word. Message today, so just just so there's no confusion on that. Uh, but I'm going to start off our message time. Um, as Emily mentioned, you can see in your bulletin, uh, today is a vocation Sunday, and so we set these uh, this Sunday and, and some of next Sunday aside to uh, kind of wrap up our vocational focus. If, if you're new, you're not sure what I'm talking about. Or, uh, I'd like to use a few minutes to just kind of. Uh, let you know about our vocational focus and for those of you who have been here uh, for a while to just refresh your memory and, and what this has been all about. So uh, in 2012, uh, our Crossbridge leadership team began meeting and thinking about what should we do in the next five years? What, what can we focus on that would, you know, that would help us advance God's kingdom? And so we, uh, the leadership met and had a lot of discussions and spent time in prayer and so in September of 2012, uh, we put together a five-year vocational focus, and that's this. We will be, become a congregation of people who have specifically aligned their vocation and are what their vocation provides for the advancement of God's kingdom. And you look at that and you're like, well, that's kind of general. I mean, yeah, I get it, and, and, but you know, are there specific ways that uh, this can be fulfilled? And so, yes, the answer is yes. So we, we took this focus and 
we uh, put together four subcategories that we wanted to see uh, this uh, fo- focus fulfilled by. So the four uh, subcategories is uh, we want to see members in five years. This is working now. Can you change the slides, please? This is it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we, we want to see members in five years. <coughs> uh, some of them enter into vocational Christian ministry. Uh, we'd like to see others relocate their jobs to serve as intentional witnesses to help underserved areas of the world. We wanted to see our students, uh, those in college, even in high school, commit their careers to Christ. And finally, we wanted everyone in the congregation, you know, whether you're a doctor, teacher, uh, you know, blue-collar worker, what have you, we wanted you to be able to articulate how are you using what your vocation provides to advance God's kingdom. So that was our focus in, in, in kind of the sub-foci uh, uh, for these five years from 2012 to 2017. Uh, for us, in terms of programming, um, things that we tried to do to accomplish it, what did we do? Well, in 2012, once again, the goal was formed and shared. And for those of you who were here at the time, maybe you remember that we had a Crossbridge retreat uh, as kind of as a kickoff um, that had Dr. David Gill come and speak. If you remember, he was the uh, chair of the Gordon-Conwell Center for uh, Workplace Ethics and Faith. So he was just a perfect speaker uh, to align uh, with our, our, uh, our focus. In 2013, we had a sermon series focusing on vacation, or vocation, excuse me. Uh, we had summer, uh, summer small group studies on marketplace ministry. If you, remember, if you remember, you were there back then. We looked at several articles of how people were using uh, their vocation to advance God's kingdom. Um, we had Sunday lunch vocational discussions. That year we also had a CB retreat, but in-house, where we, heard, where we had uh, Terry and Jill Greer from Ohio come and share. They were very much at the forefront of Marketplace Ministry in Cincinnati. And we had various members come up and share about how they used their vocation to advance God's kingdom. In 2014, we had a, a big winter Sunday school session focused on vocation. Uh, from that, four vocational subgroups were formed, a healthcare group, an education group, a IT engineering group, and then a, a kind of a default other group. Uh, we had summer Sunday school topic and vocation. In 2015, uh, we had various members' testimonies related to their careers, and we also had a summer Sunday school focused on vocation. And then in 2016, uh, from our healthcare subgroup, uh, they helped us organize a mental health conference with Dr. Karen Mason, and they were so well received uh, that if you were here that year, you remember we also continued that with the Crossbridge retreat uh, on mental health, also with Dr. Mason. So over the five years, uh, these are some of the uh, initiatives we as leadership, we as your staff have uh, put together to try to uh, keep this uh, focus in your minds, get you thinking about how you're using your vocations uh, to advance God's kingdom. How did we do in accomplishing our focus? Um, You'll have to come back next week to hear that. And so uh, with that, I'll have Pastor Tim come and give share from the word. In keeping with the theme of this week, I've tried to choose a passage that helps all of us address the issue of 
how do we figure out, if we feel God's call in our life, what type of ministry we should have? Basically, there are two types of ministries. Um, there are those where you preach and you're fully supported by the group uh, that, that you preach to, or you go out and you use your profession, in a sense, as an opportunity to preach the gospel to the people that you're preaching to uh, in order to offer it without cost, without charge, and to keep from any hindrance. So I've chosen this passage today in 1 Corinthians 9, and given the small amount of time that we have left, because this was an exciting Sunday to hear about the senior pastor uh, search and also um, to hear... Uh, what David has just just shared. I'm only probably going to get about halfway through my outline, but I do want to invite you to uh, take the bulletin and look at the outline. And we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 9 and some of the some of the principles that I've been wrestling with my entire adult ministry because I've been on both sides of the fence. Uh, as a I've been I've been a pastor who was supported by the church. I've also been a missionary who raised his own support with the help of the churches and supporting individuals that supported me to go out into other places to preach the gospel. And then I've also served as a what they call a tent maker uh, because the Apostle Paul, he made tents while he was at one of his mission places in order to support his own ministry so that he could preach the gospel. So I've done the Christian professional thing as well. And I think that because I've been in all those different the categories of preaching the gospel and being supported in different ways. It's given me sort of an opportunity to reflect on what we try to do as a church here and what we're trying to continue to do as we challenge each of you to wrestle in your own lives with a question, with a very important question. And that question is, how am I going to make my life make a difference for the kingdom of God? There's more than one model to use. There's more than one way to think about this. And so even in the passage I've chosen today in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we can see that Paul is wrestling with two things. He's wrestling with not only the model that he's using and how he's supported as an apostle, but he's also wrestling with what is the responsibility of those who he preaches to. So we're going to start with that aspect. Now look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Beginning in verse one, I I don't have time to reread all of the texts and all the passage, but I want to hit some of the highlights. Paul had a problem and the problem was he had to defend his ministry in Corinth because even though he was an apostle, even though he had seen the risen Christ with his own two eyes, the people in Corinth didn't think that he was necessarily up to snuff. Uh, History and tradition says that he was short bald and blind. And you put that all together, he wasn't necessarily the person that the search committee would have chosen to be the apostle. And as a result of that, he was having to defend his ministry in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 because in the church in Corinth, a group of people had moved into the church who were called pseudo-apostles. In other words, false apostles. And they had come into the church and they came with a price tag. And if you wanted them to speak... They told you what their fee was. So here, Paul and Barnabas, they were went into the church in Corinth and they used a completely different model. And because they used a different model, it caused a lot of the people in the church in Corinth to misunderstand what their responsibility was as Christians who benefited from Paul and Barnabas's ministry. It caused them to misunderstand what their responsibility was to support Paul and Barnabas as an apostle and a traveling apostle's companion. 
So Paul begins this chapter with a whole bunch of rhetorical questions. Am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? I saw him. I saw him. You didn't see him. In order to be an apostle, you had to see the risen Christ with your own two eyes and be commissioned by him, especially to preach the gospel in order to be an apostle. And then he says this, verse two, even though I may not be an apostle to others, surely I am to you. If other people are questioning whether or not I'm a legitimate apostle, you people should know better. This is Paul's point. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. And then he goes on to give his defense. This is my defense to those who sit in judgment on me. And he starts asking questions. Now, there's different kinds of questions. There's there's questions that your mother asks you in the morning. Have you finished your breakfast yet? You know, there's questions that your parents ask you at night. Have you finished your homework yet? You know, and then there's questions that I call gnarly questions. You know, you know what a gnarly question is like, why did you ask me that? You know, don't you know the answer or something? A gnarly question is a question where you know what the answer is. So why did you ask the question? Okay, so. Paul asks a series of gnarly questions. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. Don't we have the right to food and drink? In other words, we came there and preached. Don't we have the right to ask of you just to feed us? Don't we have the right to food and drink? Don't we have the right to take a believing wife along with us, as do the other apostles and the Lord's brothers in Cephas? So evidently what happened is, is as the apostles went out, They went out with their families and with their wives. They didn't abandon their wives and leave them at home. And Paul says, don't we have the right to do that? Or is it only I and Barnabas who lack the right to not work for a living? So here in verse 6, we begin to see what the key issue was. The key issue was that Paul had not been receiving support from the Corinthians, yet the Corinthians had a responsibility to support him and anyone who preached the gospel um, uh, to them. Then he asks more gnarly questions. Who serves as a soldier at his own expense? I mean, think about how ridiculous that would be. Imagine the U.S. military and then you're sending them out into Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria or some place which is a hotbed of of warring activity, and then you just say to everybody, yeah, you can go represent the U.S. government, but we're not going to pay your salary. In fact, you have to raise your own support, or you have to borrow from your parents, or you have to have a different job on the side to allow you to take six months off and go over there and shoot guns to defend our country. Don't you see how ridiculous that is? Paul continues, who plants a vineyard And does not eat its grapes. That this is even more ridiculous. I don't know how many of you are farmers. Um, I never had a vineyard. But what we did have was orange trees. And growing up in Florida, we had orange trees in our house. We had fruit trees in our backyard. We uh, We had land that we owned. And my dad had orange trees and orange groves on the land. And then the U.S. government, when they wanted to build Kennedy Space Center, went in and stole our land. They declared our land... Under this clause of eminent domain, they stole our beach house on Playland Beach, stole our dozens and dozens of acres of orange trees, and they gave us 9,000 U.S. dollars. Okay, well, we had not a vineyard, but we had um, a lot of orange trees. 
And one of the things I loved is, is even after the government stole that from us, my dad would take me back at night to the groves because there was a road that we could go to at night. And at that time, security wasn't as bad like it is now. Now there's gates and you can't get into those groves. The groves are still there. But we would go at night and we would take the oranges. <laughs> my dad would say, son, pick some. And so I'd pick some. We'd, we'd, we'd pick some more. And the whole point was, is my dad thought those were our groves. Our family planted them. They've been in the family for dozens of years. Why shouldn't we eat from the orange trees that we planted? Well, Paul says, if you are a person who has a vineyard, who tends a vineyard, why shouldn't you eat something from what you're growing? It would be ridiculous not to. Next gnarly question, uh, verse 7. Who tends the flock and does not drink the milk? Ridiculous. Do I say this merely on human authority? Doesn't the law say the same thing? And now what he's doing is is he's going more from these examples that he's using to try and press home to them what their responsibility was to support those who preach the gospel to them. Now he's going to the Old Testament and he's taking principles and applications from the Old Testament and he's making it real in their particular situation. For it is written in the law of Moses, do not muzzle an ox while it is threshing or while it is treading out the grain. That's a pretty funny picture. What is he talking about? How many of you have ever seen an ox? I remember the last time I saw an ox. It was a very embarrassing situation. I was in mainland China going to speak at a house church event in, in the province of Hunan, and we were driving a car across several provinces for me to get there and there's not a lot of bathrooms in China so I had to stop along the side of the road and go to the bathroom I confess to you and I went behind an overpass and when I did an ox came up while I was going to the bathroom and I'm like what do I do with the ox Um, but what what the neighbor did who had the ox um, this ox would thresh for him would tread for him would do work for him would indeed help him plow his own um, crops So oxen are beasts that are used to help you when you're making something and when you're making your your livelihood. And a principle was you don't muzzle the ox while it's working. You don't put a muzzle on it. In other words, when it gets hungry, in order to get some energy to keep on, let the thing eat. That was the whole whole point of it all. So Paul says, don't muzzle an ox while it is uh, treading out the grain. And then he asks another question. Is it about oxen that God is concerned? In other words, is all this stuff in the Old Testament simply about how we should treat our animals? Ethical treatment of biblical animals? No, it's not simply that. Surely, verse 10, he says this for us, doesn't he? Yes, this was written for us because whoever plows and threshes should be able to do so in the hope of sharing in the harvest. If we have sown spiritual seed among you, is it too much if we reap a material harvest from you? If others have this right of support from you, shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple and that those who serve in the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, here's the point, verse 14. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. 
So the whole point here is, is that God calls you to support those who preach and bring you the gospel. That's your responsibility. And that's the responsibility that Paul brought before the minds of those who were in Corinth who were not rising to the occasion. But notice, as he goes on, it gets a little bit um, more interesting. Uh, In verse 15 and continuing, he says, But I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me, for I would rather die than allow anyone to deprive me of this boast. For when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast since I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I'm simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make full use of my rights as a preacher of the gospel. As you wrestle with what God wants you to do in your career, in your vocation, think about this, that God calls preachers at times to give up their rights in order to preach the gospel without charge. Paul had a right to receive support. He set down that right and he did so that he would cause no hindrance to the gospel. There are situations, and I've been in these situations as a missionary, especially in mainland China, where I couldn't go into China as a missionary. So I had to go in as a Christian professional. So I started a language center in South China in Shenzhen that trained uh, foreigners how to speak Chinese and trained Chinese how to speak English. And I did so because having a profession caused no hindrance to the gospel. It allowed me to preach in mainland China and have a legitimate job and legitimate reason for being there. And Paul said, in order to keep from causing any hindrance in Corinth, and I don't know completely what the situation was in Corinth, but there was some kind of a situation that Paul was dealing with where he made a choice where he said, I'm going to support myself with my own profession and not receive support, even though I have a right to receive that support. And there will be times where God will call you in your profession to give up your rights, your right of support, in order to preach the gospel without charge. There's an awful lot more that I could say in this passage. In fact, I have more in my outline, but I think I'm going to save it um, till next week and instead leave you with this. What has God called you to do? At the very least, he's called you to support those who preach the gospel. But more than that, he's calling you to think of what does it mean for you to give up your rights in order to bring the gospel to other people without charge? How is God challenging you today? How is he challenging you to imitate the example of Jesus who gave up his rights, who did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and took upon his own person the form of a servant and humbled himself to the point of being obedient even to death on a cross. This world is full of people who are always talking about rights. We've got LGBT rights. We've got um, this right in the workplace. We've got that, that right. Everybody's talking about rights today. But when it comes to the gospel, we don't focus on rights. Instead, we focus on God's call to imitate and to walk in the same pathway that Christ walked for us. To give up our rights. To give up everything that we have. To give up our right to even live in the comfy U.S. of A. 
and a wonderful place if God calls to go to a place where we, where we might serve others and bring to them this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that can take a person who's walking in sin and bring them into the kingdom of God and offer them eternal life and a hope that goes beyond the grave. I challenge you today. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your career? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you.